Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, better, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I retired at the age of 41 to advocate for women and girls in life, love, and the boardroom. Now the CEO of my own media company, my goal is to change the world for my daughter and her friends. My first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, dropped this fall and is based on what women wish they would have known when they were girls. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a safe place for us to share our gold and our dreams for the future. We record every week from the sound studio at The Space LV. Today, I am joined by Amber Lillystrom, and I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. It is full of soul and heart, and I am learning that you cannot walk away from a conversation with Amber without feeling like you're changed for the better. Amber is a transformational branding strategist and business coach, author, and speaker. She has been featured by Entrepreneur, MentorBox, and Working Mother Magazine, and is the host of the Amber Lillystrom Show podcast. She is the creator of the Ignite Your Soul Summit annual live event in New Hampshire and multiple life-changing online programs. She helps entrepreneurs turn their passions into heart-centered brands and thriving businesses. Amber's mission is to empower women to position themselves as sought-after experts and thought leaders through the creation of an online brand presence. Her transformational mindset work sets her apart in an industry focused on a strategy-first, inner work leader approach. She's worked with thousands of women worldwide, building a seven-figure business from home, while also homeschooling her daughter with her husband and business partner, Ben. Amber spent 10 years working in collegiate athletics marketing before launching her business. She managed the University of New Hampshire Wildcats brand, taught sports marketing, and mentored student interns. She was recognized as one of the top sports marketing professionals in the nation and left her corporate career after a near-death experience that served as the catalyst for her to transform her life from the inside out. We are going to talk about that near-death experience during childbirth and what Amber called the space between motherhood and her death. You are going to hang on to every word and I hope you click off of this episode, A Changed Human Being. Let's dig in. So I have with me today Amber Liliestrom. I'm so excited to um, have a chance to talk with you. Thank you for being on my podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeanette. I'm so excited to dive in today. I had such a great conversation with you. Amber has her own podcast that you have to listen to. It's so soulful and beautiful. And when we talked, it was probably one of the most gorgeous conversations because it just flowed and I loved where where we took it. So I asked her if she would join me today because there were some really beautiful nuggets that she shared and some things that we had in common um, that I was hoping to dig into. But before we do... I was curious um, as to your younger self. When you had a chance to reflect on your younger self, what did she look like and what what did you find that you wanted to share with her? You know, I think I'm transported back to around 15 years old and things were, there was a lot of light and dark at that time in my life um, in terms of just family dynamics being difficult, but then also having this amazing gift of being a soccer player and soccer was my, it was my therapy. It was my saving grace. It was where I felt like I was home. I felt like I could fully be myself on the field. And I think I would go back to her and I would remind her of what she already knows and what she's always known and help her tap into the even younger versions of her, (laughs) um, and into the, 
the time, and there's a part of my story that your listeners may not know, but um, when I was really, really young, uh, three and a half, four years old, I was sexually molested. And then I testified when I was five um, wow. against my abuser. And that, I, I remember everything. I remember what it felt like standing in the courtroom. I can remember, you know, what I was tapping into to have the courage to do that. And that carried with me all the days of my life and obviously served me in on the soccer field too, and being courageous and going for it and, and, you know, just having fun too, just like remembering who I was. So I would remind her of that because that was about the time where she started to forget. And when I started uh, developing an eating disorder, unbeknownst to anybody in my life, and I would just remind her of that strength and, and just the knowing of who she was. I don't know if it would change anything. And frankly, I'm sure you can relate to this, Jeanette. I wouldn't change anything. I'm grateful for every part of my story because it's led me to where I am today. But I would just want to, you know, love her deeper, embolden her, help her build that inner wisdom and that muscle at that age even stronger um, so that maybe she wouldn't have to go through quite as much suffering as I did throughout the, those next, you know, however many years, let's say 12, uh, 17 years or so, you know, and beyond after that. It's so interesting to me because the word courage keeps coming up in a lot of my conversations lately. And it's amazing how we're building this this muscle, this courage and this grit from a very young age. And I, I agree with what you said. Um, there's been some bad experiences and trauma and tragedy. But when you get to a place where you can look back, reflect and kind of forgive self and others, you have a tendency to realize what an amazing person some of those experiences have built. Um, yeah. what, what's your personal relationship with, with, with courage now? How do you, I know that you have made some very courageous decisions and I wanted to dig a little bit into that. Um, and this is, this is very layered because when I, when I talked to you on, um, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the fact that you had, um, a near death experience and how it really changed your life. And mm -hmm. it sounds like to me, you've had a couple of moments, um, where, you found this courage, but it was in it was in these moments of um, awareness or sudden kind of. I, I think I read something recently too that your husband decided to retire, and it was sitting down and understanding where you guys were in life to have the courage to make those steps. So I'm curious about your relationship with courage within your life. Mm. You know, I think that courage was a word that served me in a really big way um, throughout my adolescence, my, my youth up in, into my twenties, um, making decisions to pivot in my life that were maybe the less popular decisions that I might receive some feedback from loved ones that was a little bit less, uh, supportive than I had maybe wanted it to be. Um, and so I've always kind of felt in some ways I've sort of going against the grain or standing in my truth somehow has implications on others. Mm -hmm. And that was a very, you know, foundational, story on my journey that it makes sense that I would, would sort of extrapolate that as, um, the way that I was existing. And it was something that I've had to spend a lot of time working around, but courage was the current that got me through those times and places and spaces in my life. When I felt like my life maybe wasn't belonging to me, that it was, you know, somebody else's agenda that I was plugging into or achievement system. So so yeah, and I would say that now the the current of courage, it's less overt, if you will, in terms of I don't think like have courage in the, the that way that I used to. Um, but I but the underpinning of trust, which is something that I'm saying to myself often in this season of my life, is 
the having the courage to trust, you know, and to trust in the divine order of my life and the unfolding of it and the knowing of it. And so um, it's been a huge building block to help me become the the woman, the mom, the wife, the business person, the friend that I am today, for sure. Absolutely. And I've noticed too, a lot of the women that I've talked to recently who are in this kind of place of um, self-actualization have a tendency to talk about that kind of divine order and faith in Mm -hmm. something larger. And I know for me, that was a game changer. Actually coming back to my faith because I was raised in, um, I was raised a Jehovah's Witness and that was a very, I struggled with my faith and my identity within the terms of the religion and got to a place in life where I realized I had to find my own faith, which looks very much, it's very different than, than the faith of my childhood, but tapping into something bigger than I was changed everything. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. It's a beautiful journey once you get to that place where you kind of are in charge of your own life and um, have the ability to see that there's um, there was purpose and meaning in everything that happened to you. And there's different ways that you can do it. And I love I love that for you and and for all of us, right? That we finally get into the driver's seat of our own life to create the the support, the pathways um, that are going to most help us on our journeys. Absolutely. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, what I read in um, uh, most recently on Cora. You had um, written about um, almost abandoning in some sorts of ways your relationship with your body um, yeah. and how that it, it created so many layers and dimension for me as I read through it. And I was so struck by it um, because I had a very similar situation um, from a very young age. I didn't believe that I would be able to easily have children. And it, it proved true. Um, I went through five cycles of IVF before I had my daughter. And over the course of time, realized I had told myself a story of lack. And mm-hmm. I, had, I had believed in it and believed that everything in my life I had to fight for. And you had your own very um, surprising experience. And I was hoping that you could kind of walk us through what it is um, that happened when you were um, having your daughter and what that experience shared with you. Yeah. So just to give a snapshot of the blog that you're speaking to, um, it was a, the title of it is everything I ever needed to learn. I learned from my period essentially. And, um, as a competitive soccer player, uh, a sort of byproduct of that growing up was, um, not, not having my period. And there was a lot of concern, um, in my very young years, you know, 15, 16 years old from my doctors and my mom specifically about, you know, just the, the medical implications of that amenorrhea, um, not being able to, uh, potentially conceive bone density, all these things. And so, um, there was this really, it was really interesting because I didn't want those things, but I, it was a fear was sort of like struck in, into me, if you will. And, um, about this future that was so, so, so far away, but also something that was, is my oldest dream becoming a mom. And so when we got to the season of when I was wanting to conceive and wanting to have our daughter, our first child, um, it wasn't an easy process, though it's funny that I say that because um, we did conceive on our first first round of IUI um, treatments, and I really believe that that was God's way, the divine order of saying, like, you have to slow down, sister, uh, because I was living my life 100 miles per hour with a super successful corporate job, and um, not taking care of myself at all, had a lot of health issues happening between acid reflux and, um, and endometriosis and all kinds of things that were really, really physically intense. And uh, I conceived and I had a 
pretty easy pregnancy for the most part. I obviously had a lot of morning sickness and I had a little stint of um, modified bed rest, but it was because of stress at work that led to that. Um, and then I was start. I went into labor uh, the day before my due date, which I was shocked at because I had created a story in my head that I was not going to go into labor until like, you know, three weeks after or something. I just, I just always was expecting suffering back then. Mm. It was just this way of like, the other shoe was going to dry, you know, I just, it was a, it was an orientation of, of the way I was living. And I really, I knew I wanted more. I knew that I wanted, uh, to do what I do today. And I didn't have all the, the, you know, colors filled in between the lines. I just knew that this is, I wanted to speak. I wanted to write. I wanted to coach. I wanted to have a business working from home. I had no idea how, uh, but I wasn't doing anything about it. I really wasn't. I was reading some books and I was journaling and things and posting, writing blogs on a, on a Tumblr page, but I wasn't really taking action because I was terrified. And so here I am on the day that I had looked forward to all the days of my life, had imagined in my mind probably a million times about becoming a mom, that moment of meeting your child for the first time. And before we even get to that moment, I'm um, being wheeled into the operating room for an emergency C-section. And uh, they administered the uh, spinal tap or the anesthesia, the block. And they laid me down on the table. And within just moments, I, I started to feel this tightness in my chest. I could feel as if my lung volume was getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And uh, I noticed that now there was a bag valve mask over my face and there was a nurse's hand to the right of my face pumping it. And I heard my surgeon's voice say to my anesthesiologist who's, who was standing behind me, what can I do to help? Mm. And I'm thinking we haven't even begun the surgery yet. And she's asking him how she can help. And whoa, <laughs> what is going to, what's going on here? And I was just sort of slipping away. I was not able to breathe. I was struggling. Um, and all of a sudden I just blacked out. I was in the space between motherhood and what I believed to be my death. I, I thought, this is literally how this is going to happen right now. You know, I'm not even going to get to meet my child. And I felt this this deep sensation of darkness, of frustration, of rage, of just not understanding why it would go this way. And immediately what filled into that space was crystal clarity about what I did want to do with my life. I saw, I saw images of, you know, myself on stage or the book and, and these weren't new images. These are things I had seen in my mind's eye many, many, many times before. I just never shared them with people. And I will tell you that, you know, that, that sensation lasted for, I have no idea. I lost track of time space, but a, a period of time. And then it began to sort of dissolve and dissipate away. And I saw a visual of my husband, uh, in the room where he was preparing the camera settings and waiting for them to come and get him to come in to meet his daughter. Mm. And then I saw my parents and I saw them in the operator, excuse me, in the waiting room. Um, and my mom was pacing and my dad was sitting in the chair and, and then I saw myself and I had this complete out-of-body experience and, and this clarity, again, of, of love, just this deep feeling of gratitude overwhelming me for the people in my life that I had had the gift of loving, for this, this sensation of knowing that no matter what happened to me, somehow I just knew that our daughter was going to be okay and that she would be with her dad. And I completely surrendered in that moment. It was like, it was this euphoric bliss, like feeling of just complete trust and complete, complete relaxation and surrender. And it was almost as if a, a switch had completely flipped. And right in that moment, I woke up, I was just conscious and I was breathing again. And the mask was off my face 
And then I heard the anesthesiologist who's again, standing behind me say, go, 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 go in a really urgent tone. And then the surgery began. And within moments, Ani was here, she appeared and, uh, she was perfect and healthy and alive. And I was too. And Ben joined us and, you know, it was, it would take me time to unpack the depth of what really happened to understand that yes, what did happen, uh, biologically speaking actually could have killed me that there was a lot of things at play that I will never be able to fully understand. Um, I've researched near death experiences and, and what I, what I share in my story is basically exactly what people talk about that feeling of like total surrender and release. And once I had that experience, I couldn't go back mm -hmm. to living my life the way I had been living it on this like full throttle fear setting that I had been operating from for so long. I have to tell, I'm emotional listening to your story um, because I, you know, I know what it means to, to want to be a mom so bad and the idea of it slipping away in those moments and having that, uh, just when you said maybe I, I won't get to meet my daughter. That just like kind of hit me. So it took me, took my breath away for a minute. Um, when you started to kind of, you said, unpack it and understand what happened, was it immediate, the shift? Did you make changes immediately in your life? It took, you know, it took time um, because I also had just a, a whole host of complications um, from my surgery that I had infections and my stomach stopped working for a period of time. And so I was in the hospital for like another week and I was just trying to, frankly, I was just trying to survive. You know, my body was breaking down in, in a really profound way and I couldn't even get out of my bed to get to my daughter crying in her bassinet. And, um, I, I feel like I had to just kind of like be broken all the way down mm -hmm. for me to wake up. You know, there's the saying that first we, we get a feather in life to tap us, to wake us up. Then sometimes we get a brick and, and if we don't listen to that, then sometimes we get a Mack truck. And I was getting the full on Mack truck treatment um, in that that season, in that moment of my life, which to me, I see it as just a total recalibration and a reordering of my priorities of what I believed to be necessary in order to survive and be happy in life. Um, I had to have it all shaken away from me. And so I then finally came home and I'm learning and trying to breastfeed and trying to figure out how to do this new mom thing. And I'm on maternity leave, thank goodness. So I had time where I was actually being paid and, and I was blessed to have that because that's not always the case for many, many women, especially in this country. And I had three and a half months off because of the C-section. I got a little extra time. Um, but I remember going back to work, Jeanette, and in weeks before, just knowing like, this isn't what I want. This is not what I want. I, I, and so I think that's how it is. It's like the clarity comes first and knowing what it is we don't want before we can even move in the direction of what it is we do want. And that's beautiful. That is, that's, we can be as grateful for that as we can for the clarity on, oh yes, I want to go do that right now. And so I, I took some time, um, but I wrote myself a letter on December 31st and of 2013 and I wrote it to the 2014 December 31st version of me. I love and it. I told her how proud I was of her for having the courage, right? Using that word, yep. having the courage to, uh, to launch her business, to build something really meaningful, to be home with her daughter, to walk away from her career with grace and with gratitude and with love and with reverence, because it had been such a portal for me and such a learning. I was there. I played soccer there for four years. And then I worked there 
for 10 years, you know, is where my education happened, both undergraduate, graduate, and as a teacher and as an administrator. And I just had deep, important relationships and I did not want to forsake that. And so I wrote this letter with all of that language and really visualizing into the, the, the depths of how I wanted to feel and what that was going to look like. And I sealed it up and I put it in the safe. And uh, in May of 2014, I launched my business. I walked away from my 10-year career. I had one client when I gave my notice. And by the time I left, which is about a month later for the, the lead time of training the new person, I had four clients. Mm-hmm. And it's just continued to grow ever since. You know, it's it's now been four and a half years of being in business. And um, it's just been, it's been completely life-changing in so many ways. But that story was the, was really the catalyst for me to wake up. And I think the other piece, it's an important part of the story is to recognize that I experience what it feels like, I believe, to die, to be in a place of being met with death. And the the message I want to share with those of you that are listening to this and with you, Jeanette, is that the only thing that was left was a profound sensation of love and appreciation and gratitude. That's the only thing that was left. And if that's the only thing that's left when we die, if that's what meets us there, then why do we live so afraid? Mm. It's so, so when I, when, when you and I first spoke, one of the first things I shared with you was the conversations I had with my grandmother Um, and I I had three people in my life who I spent time with right before their death was my Mm. grandmother, my grandfather, and a client who'd become like a grandfather to me. And the clarity that they had and peacefulness, and they were not grieving their lives. No. They were not sad. They were sharing messages about love and kindness and being present. Um, My client, he had spent his entire life gathering riches and at the end of his life realized next to him by his bed was his financial advisor. You know, that was, it was so stunning to see these people who don't greet death with fear, but with acceptance and this shared kind of gems, things that they wanted to pass down and say, you know, with my grandfather, it was fascinating because being raised Jehovah's Witness and he being such a, a big figure in our congregation, he was, you know, the, the model elder. And at the end of his life, he said to me, they are just men, little one. Find your own way. And it just shocked mm. me that this person who had completely molded our entire family multi-generationally um, in the ways of our faith, at the end of your life, it's about you and your yeah. love and who you're, how well you've, you've cared for others. But there's an acceptance there that's mm-hmm. so beautiful. Yeah, it's not fear. And I think that's the, the really important message um, for us to share based upon these experiences, because I think we're so afraid, you know, I didn't feel like, sure, I hadn't written the, written the book yet, but I didn't feel like my life was a loss because of that. Mm-hmm. I only saw all of the things that, that I was able to contribute and the relationships that were a reflection of that, the love that I had for them and the love that they had for me. That's fascinating because it's so funny. I, I have this vision of myself. I call it my deathbed me. And it's how I make big decisions. I imagine, and I think it was because of the influence of, you know, being with these loved ones before they passed. And I imagine myself on my deathbed surrounded by the people who love me and having a conversation with that version of myself in the moments when I'm fearful 
and her mm-hmm. looking at me and being like, get here and don't make my ride boring. I want to leave and look at all these people and said, I did what I was supposed to do. No regrets, right? And yes. I, I'm curious for you, do you have moments of fear? Do you have moments where you're like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing? Or is it that deep faith um, and, and the experience that you've had that kind of leads you through where you know it'll be okay? You know, I would say that this year, 2018, has really been a year, my word for 2018 was embody and to really come into the fullness of myself and um, to what I'm teaching and to what I'm learning because I'm constantly learning and it's just really like an integration of it all. And so um, one of my big objectives in this lifetime is to write my book, the book that I really want to write. And I took a lot of action toward that this year. Uh, but I was sort of guided in a different direction uh, and from a, a place of love for essentially what was going to sell. And I just pulled the ripcord. I said, no, I'm not, not doing that. Mm. That's powerful. And yeah. And I think, um, and so I would say the faith is the predominant vibration in terms of the way that I live now. And it's really, it's, it feels like the biggest celebration there could be of my life because I was so afraid. I was so stressed out. I had an eating disorder. What is that? That's code for control because I don't feel like I have control of my life. And so I'm going to use food to try to soothe myself, you know? And so to look at that and to know how far I've come from that and to be able to, to live in this way where I get to be present for myself wherever I am and to push myself. Yes. And to continue to do that, I'll always be that competitive athlete person deep down and having that intrinsic motivation um, but doing all these things for the right reason for love rather than fear is, is I think the way that I'm really doing life now. I love it. And I love that you pick a word. I do the same thing. It used to be back in the day, I would um, be like, this is the year that I'm going to do X. And it's always like fitness and the things that are, you know, external, right? Um, and mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, I started picking words and my word last year was honor to honor everyone as they came into Mm. my life and to honor myself and my experiences and my gut. And I think that that's a beautiful practice to kind of choose a word to live your life by. um, I love that. Yeah, as opposed to a checklist of things that on February 1st, you've already kind of forgotten. (laughs) It's easier. It's easier. Um, I'm I'm curious as far as – things that you'd want to share. I mean, you've shared so much. It's so beautiful. I love our conversations. This is our second conversation and I feel like we go very deep and I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, out of curiosity, as far as um, things that you'd want people to know, nuggets of inspiration or wisdom that you could share with another um, based on, on your life or even your career now, your relationships, what are some of those big things, the big themes that you would want people to know that you've you've experienced? One of the things I say a lot is if the dream is in you, it's for you. Mm-hmm. And I mean that quite literally. And I think that with many of the women that I support in, in my business and, and on this path, they, they don't feel worthy of their dream. And they, they sort of talk themselves out of it before they even give it a chance. And I, I like to think, you know, the way that our paths unfold, they're so unique there, there are no two that are the same and they, there never will be. And even if, you know, you're an author and someone else is an author and I'll become an author, like we will all write very different books Yes. and they support one another. They don't compete. And so if we can live in this plane of, of creativity, of creation over competition, 
we change the way we show up in our daily lives and the way we look at other people and the way we look at ourselves because we recognize that it is our responsibility simply because we are here to to create to you know human the human species as a as just a very base quality we're creators we are here to create in this lifetime and so i encourage my sisters to get busy creating and to trust your own heartbeat and to walk your own path and to yes feel uncomfortable but also to ask for help along the way because we're not meant to do this by ourselves we're just not meant to do this alone so i think that 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 is the underpinning of so much it's i mean i could have questioned that that call on my heart and i could have stayed in that career longer um because i wasn't unhappy in my job to the point where i felt you know, like I wasn't doing the right thing. I loved my job. I loved what I was doing, but I knew that it wasn't the path for me to get to ultimately where I want to go in this lifetime to get the learning and the evolution that I'm, that I signed up for when I came in, you know, when I, when I got here. So, so I think that that's really the most important thing. And then I'll just follow with a quote that, that is just like screaming at me from my desk right now. And I, and it's a really amazing quote. It's based off of A Course in Miracles, but it's a Wayne Dyer quote. And it's, if you knew who walked beside you at all times on this path that you have chosen, you could never experience fear or doubt again. Mm. I love Wayne yeah. Dyer. I just, I, I've, I've absorbed every single word he's ever written. Um, yeah. And I absolutely what you, love what you said about creation over competition, because one of the things that I'm experiencing myself is that, um, that has someone already written this? Am I saying mm-hmm. the same thing someone else is? Do I belong in this space because there's already people doing the thing? And that's one of those those unworthy kind of uh, the, the hum, the hum that we have that we are unworthy or that there's competition. And I, I, and I know that my readers or uh, listeners know my background is very much um, – finance I understand that from a patriarchal belief system we look at the world from a place of of lack that we compete with the women in our field we compete for job security men so in born in us societal um and relationally we have created this whole we have to compete for one another and that's something that's very hard to divorce yourself from but once you get to a place of of clarity of purpose um I, I love women who come together and support each other. And I, I've actually read a couple of books where I can tell, like, we're going to be really good friends. Um, mm-hmm. And the message isn't the same, but it's, you know, it's it's about strength and beauty and sisterhood and everyone coming together and realizing that we have to better ourselves, um, better the next generation um, to make sure that we're leaving these really beautiful words and lessons behind. Um, I think of nothing better that I can uh, – someone asked me recently, what's your purpose? And I said, my purpose is to leave my words behind. My my words mm. mean something. And I know that when I speak my words and I speak my truth and I'm in my purpose, I move people. So there's something there. So I can't not write a book because I'm yes. afraid someone else has written it. And I love what you said about not writing because of the market necessarily because I've experienced right. that as well. And you understand it's a business. But at the same time, I, I get it. Yeah, but I but I don't. I also don't care. Yeah, exactly. Because this is the book that I'm that I've been that's on my heart to write, and if one person reads it, that's an impact, and it literally could move me to tears to think about, and and truly for you too, Jeanette. Like a hundred years from now, you and I are no longer here in this physical body, and somebody stumbles upon lore mm. and picks up this book 
and reads the words and has an experience and maybe frees herself. We have no idea where this could go. And so it's just our job to answer that call to, yes, leave the legacy, but to, to help others, you know, we leave the breadcrumbs from what we've learned to help them have a shorter trajectory (laughs) and maybe to suffer less Mm -hmm. so that they can step into their greatness and into their call faster and they can live more of their life feeling alive and aligned. Mm -hmm. And so, so I got to write the thing, man. (laughs) It's like a great inspiration for me. The messages today have been coming in hot. And of course we're having this now. So I, I just appreciate your leadership in your pushing through your discomfort and your fear because it's, it, it's not just about you. It helps us all to rise together. Yeah. It, one of the things that someone told me recently when I was concerned about, you know, hey, I'm writing this book. And it, it, kind of going back to one of your comments about if I live my truth and my best life, and those weren't exactly words, but um, I, I'm affecting other people, right? And am I living in their agenda or am I living um, what's true for me? And I was nervous about getting my book out there because I was afraid of a few people I might hurt along the way, not intentionally, but because of the fact that there was some experiences we had that created the context for why I feel the way I do. And I had a very intuitive, lovely friend say to me, so how many people would you probably upset? And I said, probably about five. And he was like, and so you're going to hold back your message from your soul for five people who have already left your life in exchange for the 5,000 or 500,000 or 5 million people who are going to feel moved by your words. And I was like, oh, you know, and yeah. it's, it's crazy how we do that. It's crazy how we sit in fear of the repercussions of others are not being liked or not being loved because of our truth. And I think that the great message for today is to follow that truth, follow that breadcrumb and that trail, because it's going to lead you to freedom. And if someone doesn't like the words that you share, they probably shouldn't be in your life anymore. So... I just, I just think it's uh, I love our conversations. You make, I love talking to you. <laughs> yes, me too. Thank you. Of course, I have one last question that I want to ask you because you know I'm a mom of a daughter. You are as well. Um, what is when you look at Ani, and you want to leave a legacy for her or a lesson, or you want her to? What is it that you want to leave with her? What's important to you as you raise her? What kind of woman do you want her to be when you look at your daughter? I just, I just want to teach her to trust herself now, you know, and forevermore. And to know that, um, listening to that little voice that's, that's there, that intuition, that gift that she has, as we all do. And we forget along the way because we're trying to receive love from well-intentioned people who only give it to us through means of achievement and other things, right? Um, I want I want to be able to help her discern on this journey, you know, what belongs to her and what doesn't. Mm. Whether that's my me, my suffering as her mom and the places like I don't want to be the one that changes her. Um, and so I I put in my work extra hard, yes, first for me, but also for for my daughter and for my loved ones. Um, I just want to teach her how to, I just want her to have that, that greatest gift that we could possibly have of just trusting and knowing herself. I love it. It's beautiful. And we talked about in in the interview that you and I had together, honoring the lineage of the women who came before us and what they did to, to create space for us and, and how important it is for us to step into our voices and our power to work on ourselves so that we leave behind beautiful little people who 
I hope that they don't have to experience this, experience the same type of, of hardships, um, but recognizing that they are, are equipped with better tools than we were when we were younger. Amen. 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 I love it. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me um, and and share your light and your story with my listeners. I knew the first time we talked that you had some powerful messages to share and a lot of aligned thoughts and, and experiences. So thank you for sharing your soul and your heart. And I really appreciate you. Mm, ditto, sister. Thank you so much. This is such a joy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Deep breath. What a beautiful conversation. I hope Amber's words are etched on your heart and you remember that if a dream is in you, it is for you. I will never forget her statement that if we are left with profound love, appreciation, and gratitude at the end of our lives, why do we live them so afraid? Please check her out on Instagram at Amber Lillystrom and follow her podcast, The Amber Lillystrom Show. If you want some help moving towards that intentional life, join me every week on my intention journey. I'm inviting you totally free from my heart to your inbox. Sign up for my love notes at JeanetteSchneider.com. And before you even wake up on Monday mornings, there will be a huge dose of motivation waiting for you. Yes, I will wake you up on Monday morning with intention setting prompts and give you some tips as to what is setting my soul on fire. On Fridays, I'm going to remind you to let go, recharge, and love yourself up with some self-care prompts to get present in your downtime. Intentional living is where it's at, y'all. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. I'm always interested in content that uplifts, so if you have things you'd like to hear about, please share them with me in the comments. You can also find me on Instagram at ms.janetteschneider or Twitter at msjwrites. If you'd like to get deep in the work with me, pick up my book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, now available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day. Mm